0: welcome everybody to the august 14th 2017 episode of popography the pop culture biography podcast according to the postcard my friend Brienne wrote me then lost then found in her nephew's dirty diaper i'm chris let's get to the show for episode 3. I sincerely appreciate you sharing some of your limited time with me today. On this episode of Popography, I'm chatting with Bobby Venets, known by his stand-up comedy name, Bobby V. But before we get to today's interview, I want to take a minute to get serious. You know, we like to have fun on Popography, but we also have a social responsibility to one another to talk about alarming current events. So yesterday, a white supremacist rally in Charlottesville turned violent when a vehicle plowed into a crowd. Um, And I want to play for you now a clip of the president responding to the events in Charlottesville.
1: But we're closely following the terrible events unfolding in Charlottesville, Virginia. We condemn in the strongest possible terms this egregious display of hatred, bigotry, and violence on many sides. On many sides. It's been going on for a long time in our country. Not Donald Trump, not Barack Obama. It's been going on for a long, long time. It has no place in America. What is vital now is a swift restoration of law and order and the protection of innocent lives. No citizen should ever fear for their safety and security in our society. And no child should ever be afraid to go outside and play or be with their parents and have a good time. I just got off the phone with the governor of Virginia, Terry McAuliffe, And we agreed that the hate and the division must stop and must stop right now. We have to come together as Americans with love for our nation and true affection, really, and I I say this so strongly, true affection for each other.
0: Okay, so that was President Donald Trump responding to the Violence at the white supremacist rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, yesterday, August 12th, 2017. That clip that you just heard was from a CNN broadcast, but it was the president's own words, of course, while he was giving the official briefing from Bedminster, New Jersey, about 35 minutes from my hometown. Um, I I just want to start out by saying, you know, I condemn the president for Coming out, and you could see he was reading a, a prepared statement, which shows that uh, at least there was some thought put into his response. And of course, he's right about several things here, right? I mean, this is this kind of hatred is something that's been festering for a very long time. I mean, as in, in American history, we can go back to the founding. Of course, uh, we're not going to do that here, but of course, racial complications have been part of the founding of America's fabric for over 200 years. Um, and he's right that we have to come together and show affection. I mean, I was impressed that he used a word like affection because, you know, he's not the warmest guy in the world. But the one thing that perplexed me is that he condemned the hatred on many sides. And now, I don't know, you know, here we have an issue of rhetoric. We have an issue of the power of language and words. And this is something that I care a lot about. Um, I've devoted my life to words in many ways, whether it be through writing different mediums or whether it be to the art of communication via teaching or even in this podcast. And one of the biggest criticisms that Trump and many Republicans had of uh, President Obama was that he never would use the term radical Islamic terrorism. And the justification behind that anger was if you want to call out something and change it, you have to use the exact terminology. Now, there's a lot of speculation here whether or not Trump uh, didn't use the term white supremacist because he doesn't want to upset or he doesn't want to enrage the white supremacist because maybe he feels like he'll lose support. And now, you know, if we're being honest, I don't feel that... and I could be completely wrong about this. Maybe it's just my own ignorance. Maybe it's just my own sort of, you know, naivete... Naivete, it's a hard word to say. Um, but I don't feel like he is a white supremacist himself. I feel like, of course, he is misguided in several ways and maybe uninformed about the racial complexities of the United States. But that being the case, if I'm giving him that benefit of the doubt, why wouldn't he use a term like white supremacist? Um, especially after he wanted to so vehemently attack President Obama for not using certain rhetoric. Now, we can argue here that uh, language is being politicized, which, I mean, it always is, not only during campaign seasons, but we see this again and again in politics. And what does that mean for the future? You know, I mean, like, we're so caught up in these petty arguments over what words to use, how to use them, And if we all can't get on the same page, we can't have the same conversation. So how are we supposed to then change any kind of racial conflict in the United States, um, any kind of conflict whatsoever in the United States, from the national level to interpersonal communication, if we all can't have the same conversation? Maybe that seems idealistic. Maybe it seems like, why are we even thinking in these terms? But at the heart of the matter, are words, because words are used to educate, uh, President Obama yesterday posted on Twitter a quote from Nelson Mandela that you know, to paraphrase, says that no man or woman for that matter, is born with hatred. It is through language, it is through the nurturing of the community that one learns to hate. And you have to put labels on that hate, and that's where words come in. And if that's the case, then we that means that language has so much power to be used for good. And we, as the arbiters of that language, and the teachers that use that language, we can make real change. But again, not if we are on different conversations i don't know this sort of seems like fragmented statements maybe to make but i don't know you know i it's i'm concerned at my own my own disheartening disheartening my own sort of malaise when it comes to strife in the united states at this point because it's so normal you know, we have shootings so often. We have race racial strife, especially in the last several years, that I'm sort of feeling desensitized, and that concerns me. Because if I'm desensitized, and a lot of it has to do, of course, with this mass, me- mass media representation of violence as so commonplace, whether it be physical violence, verbal violence, uh, what have you, but I... It makes me concerned because if I am feeling desensitized, that means that probably many other in my generation are. And then if we feel desensitized, what are we going to be teaching our next generation? it's a little bit of an abrupt transition but let's try to be positive and look on the brighter side you know i am fortunate enough to talk to a lot of inspiring people on this podcast but my favorite thing is talking with artists on the rise that are right on the verge of hitting their strides oh that kind of rhymes i guess we're maybe we're doing slam poetry now i don't know future podcasts will reveal anyway bobby v's only been performing stand-up for about a year now but he's already generating a huge buzz. He's up and coming in the LA area and he's performing regularly on the Rebels of Comedy Review which is organized by another insanely funny man that you've seen on shows like Comics Unleashed, the one, the only, T.K. Matson. So what up, T.K.? I highly doubt that you're listening to this, but if you accidentally stumble upon it, perhaps you are coming out of a coma and it's the only thing available in your oral area, then hello, how are you? I hope you're doing okay. Bobby has also performed at the legendary Comedy Store on LA's Sunset Strip and it's only getting better. It's a great time to celebrate life and that sentiment just drips off of everything Bobby does. Not only is he a hilarious comedian, but I have to say that he's one of the most level-headed human beings I've had the privilege to know. It's hard to find a genuine, emotionally intelligent person in Los Angeles But Bobby is definitely one of them. And when this conversation is posted, I'll make sure that there's a link to his sites so that you can check out his work, but also so you can follow him on social media. I know right now he's up in the San Francisco area competing in a stand-up comedy contest and nothing but good vibes to Bobby as we record this. So I've known Bobby for about a year now. We met through a mutual friend named Rob Jesse, who also has a podcast called Socially Rockward. And, you know, it's been interesting because I've had the chance to see Bobby's performances sort of develop, you know. And though he's using uh, similar jokes, it's in the art form, right? The little twists, word placement, body language, all of these little things that dramatically change how one connects with an audience and i've been really thrilled to be part of that evolution and we talk a little bit about that in the conversation so sit back and listen to that conversation with bobby v and we will reflect on the other side chairs yeah, right they look like the the fucking okay the, you're right they do the actual
2: <laughs> except they're like metal. did you steal some or what have a seat over here um, i just wanted to fill
0: the chair yeah man that's nice there. man it's smooth and it's also it's heavier though so if you try to do improv with these chairs yeah you would like bang and clang and then you'd like fall over on them and shit that's true that's and then true. you'd be dead yeah don't don't kill your improv crew man don't kill them right. it's a cool fight yeah. guy here man i like it thank you you're yeah. welcome I enjoy it. it's uh it's it's different now. Obviously, when well, I was living here with Larissa, uh, we had a lot of stuff because two people. Yeah. So now it seems more spacious, which I personally like.
2: Spacious is good.
0: Yeah, because I don't like. I clutter makes me very anxious. Yeah. You know I'm not into it.
2: Yeah, yeah, it makes makes sense.
0: It makes me soft in the pants.
2: That's not good. That's mm-hmm. not a good day. It's not a good Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, happy days, and it's not. No.
0: Now, maybe a sunday evening that's no
2: still not even a, nah nah it's not a good life at all Period. not a good day yeah don't don't be like that bro
0: did you see what well, you so you, did you see this is the part of the tour right we have kitchen yeah we have i guess dining space here. you got
2: the, was that the brady bunch you got the brady yeah. bunch right there
0: yeah let me just tell you real quick yeah that is one of my favorite images ever i got it in st louis at this random ass record store there yeah was just flipping through and it was all like. Now imagine this: you're flipping through mm-hmm. all these pictures from the '60s and '70s, He's got like Jimi Hendrix, Led Zeppelin, yeah, and then you see the Brady Bunch, yeah. And I was like, you know what? I was raised on the Brady Bunch. That's true. I need them in my home.
2: That that's fair. It's, it's it's very homely. It's very like they are a big they are family. The Bradys are the family. We are all Bradys.
0: That's the way we all became their bunch.
2: That's that's true. Because it's it's exactly there 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 was a lady.
0: You know, I, recently, I forgot how the song goes, but yeah, it's it's a very in-depth song. It's kind of like like a Mozart piece.
2: Yeah, like each note mm-hmm. was well thought of. Very involved. It, it's true. Yeah, there's not a, a bad note. Cause I mean, it's it's so short in the beginning of the, the show that they have to get it dead on. Otherwise, the show would be a total disaster. So
0: well, it's amazing that they were able to cram all that information into that. After, what is it? Thirty seconds of. That's intro. true.
2: Cause yeah, no no other like opening song of any show really describes the show except maybe say by the bell
0: yeah
2: yeah because that they've crammed a lot of information in that one too say by the bell that's a quick song
0: I was trying to sing it but I just What, say by the bell yeah I don't
2: even I, I just know that saved it was quick it. and there's something about a bell
0: and then something and it's all right because they say by the bell the yeah see so
2: that sums up that show too but there's shows that you watch the you're like what the hell am I getting myself into
0: that's another reason why I don't like shows that have, I can't say don't like, but yeah. I don't like as much shows with just an instrumental theme song because there's no information.
2: Yeah, it's true. Yeah, you just got all the actors just just smiling and pointing, like, who are you? I don't know you. Yeah. I don't." There's no connection here.
0: Yeah, and it's I, like, it sets a tone, which I respect. Yeah. You know, like, The Simpsons sets a tone oh, with yeah. music, but like, I don't know, let's choose uh I don't know, a show like 30 Rock, right? Like, I like that song in and of itself. Yeah. But the song doesn't tell me much about what's going to be happening.
2: It just Yeah, it's, it doesn't pull you in. And then you change the channel by the time the song's even over. And then boom, they lose a the viewer. They don't know what they're doing. You, yeah. need, you need to work.
0: That's why I'm...
2: I'm that shit, man.
0: I don't understand why I'm not a network executive.
2: You should be. If I had... If Jesus came down here right now, I think that's what he would appoint you. Because he knows what's up.
0: Jesus, come here. We gotta
2: talk. I don't think that's gonna happen. I think a lot of people have asked for that to happen for a very long time and he hasn't showed up yet. So <laughs> I don't really. think he's gonna show up right now. He could but
0: Yeah, but think about it. Most people are asking Jesus for like save my parent who's dying or like help me out of this jam. That's true. Yours is kinda I, simple. Yeah, and, and impo- more important. <laughs> Damn. You know what I'm saying? Like Yeah, don't don't say
2: don't say the orphanage is on fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah don't... All of that. That's true. You're you're right. It is more it's way more important. Yeah. So he should show up right now. Then. Do we hear him?
0: Uh, I just hear the fridge humming.
2: I think the GPS might have sent it the wrong way. I think you're your neighbor's house right now. I think your neighbor just became a network executive. <laughs> yeah, my whole career is ruined. Because <laughs> yeah, you just can't yeah because, exactly. You need like Google Maps, man, not ways. No. She needs to play off that with those ways.
0: So you came from now. You were about what an hour. Like geographically, well, you're like an hour away. Yeah, but with the traffic, it was like two hours
2: total. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Yeah, pretty much. Like I usually get out here in an hour, no problem. Yeah.
0: Well, also, too, you're driving usually like
2: at night, right? Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, because right now all the traffic's going my way, so that's perfect to come this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if I try to come this way in like the morning, that's when all the car yeah traffic. So I always come the opposite times. The yeah. traffic is trying to.
0: Which is great if you can swing that as a regular thing, it's great in LA. Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: exactly, exactly. So I'll, I'll take it.
0: So, but what's it, the, your, the name of your actual hometown? Palmdale. Palmdale. Yeah. It sounds you, so have nice. you heard of it?
2: Have you, have you even ever heard of Palmdale?
0: I mean, you know, the, I've heard of like 29 palms, which still is very no, weird to me. Not,
2: that's not that's not, it's not Palmdale. That's not Palmdale. It's not and there's Palm Spring, that's not Palmdale, not Palmdale. Yeah.
0: But the larger question is, what's with all the palms?
2: There are no palms. Funny story. Okay. Our city was founded off of idiots.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs> tell me more.
2: Um, the, we live in the Mojave Desert. It's the high okay. desert over there. There's Joshua trees everywhere. They thought they were palm trees. They called it Palmdale off of Joshua trees, but it's better than Joshua Tree Dale. So I'll take it. But still.
0: Who are these fools that thought those were palm I know. trees?
2: I don't. I think that they, they were like German. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? The German guys that show up. German.
0: The, the Dutch. Amish guys?
2: No, they're German. Well,
0: yeah, but like you know how they like Dutch, like in Pennsylvania, they're called the Pennsylvania Dutch. It's like like E U T C H because it's like Deutschland. Oh
2: no, I'm not. No, it's it's. Well, what? What are the guys that show up? The Mormons? No, like just the guys that show up to places that that have never been founded before.
0: Oh well, generally explorers. Yeah, well, (laughs) I guess I
2: guess explorers. Okay. They found Palmdale, I guess. They walked the in the Palmdale and that's how yeah so German guys I don't know like exactly what German guys but I just heard they were German I don't even know if that's true
0: they were all <laughs> in made most likely
2: yeah exactly yeah yeah so that's the story I heard like I said I never quite googled it but I can imagine that's pretty accurate
0: well in post we'll we will do research after today and then we'll kind of like you know type out all the information we need to know yeah yeah things. find out
2: that everything we said was fake yeah. but it's okay fake news bro. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the world's full of it right now, so it's cool.
0: So we're just we're just going with the trend.
2: Exactly, yeah. exactly. So I'll take it. Right, I'll right. take it.
0: So growing up in in Palmdale, okay. So yeah. now I'm thinking about Palmdale. It's close enough to LA where you're It's, a, it's an hour away, pretty much. So you're getting the culture.
2: We're we're yeah, I'm getting the cool. We are still technically LA County. Mm-hmm. We are just like the literally the cut off of LA County. With the border yeah so i guess yeah so we still get i guess kind of culture minus the traffic and the pain parking and all that stuff mm. so i mean it, it's a cool little city I mean, i've mean i lived there since i was four so i've definitely seen it expand over time and it hasn't gotten worse because it's so cheap to live out there that a lot of people move from out anywhere in la like the bad parts and they go end up in palm mill so it's not the prettiest city anymore but i mean it's cheap to live it's not that bad but so it's it's cool little city. Like I said, I've been there since I was four. So it's well, home. Well, yeah,
0: I mean it makes sense I mean, because coming from the craziness of L.A., you just want to have something more relaxed that you can call your own.
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah. Plus I got it. well, comedy's not paying the bills, so I have a job that actually does pay the bills out there. So that's good. Until
0: so tr- you you work for NASA? No, nah, I
2: don't work. I work I work for Northrop, man. Northrop. Like over the, out there, like aerospace, everything. There's a NASA building. There's a Northrop. There's Lockheed bunch of aerospace and then not too far from there there's a Edwards Air Force Base I don't know if you heard that mm-hmm. yeah that's that's kind of out there too so so it's it's a it's an aerospace city so
0: so I feel like that's an interesting story but before we get to why you do that work yeah when you were growing up in Palmdale you're about an hour, hour outside of LA uh-huh. when is the first moment maybe it's with family maybe it's through television Maybe it's through another medium, right? Like when's the first moment where you're exposed to comedy?
2: To comedy?
0: Yeah. Do you remember?
2: Like stand-up comedy? Really? Or com- any,
0: any, like the first time that you were like humor, the first time you recognized humor and you thought, wow, that's interesting to me.
2: Um, that was probably, I forgot how old I was. It was the very first comedy show I went to at The Laugh Factory. I, I was young. It was when Dane Cook was at like the height of his Dane. thing. Yeah. yeah, like when his first CD came out, like I remember my buddy bought that CD and like we listened to like nonstop, nonstop, stop and then my other buddy he like I I wasn't familiar with comedy shows. I think I was eighteen, nineteen. Well, I think you have to be twenty one to go to those, so it's probably yeah, twenty awesome. twenty one. Yeah, so I was probably like right when I turned twenty one. Like my buddy just got tickets or somebody bought some girl bought him tickets and bought us all tickets. Mm-hmm. So that's when we ended up at the Laugh Factory, and I remember that show like. Like, I walked in there, I just fell in love with comedy, period. So, like I said, I mean, I already loved Dane Cook's first album. Mm -hmm. Before then, I listened to, like, Chappelle, like, he had a DVD then. Me and my buddies watched those DVDs and stuff, but we never actually went to a comedy show until then. And that's when it really hit me. I'm like, damn, this stuff's crazy. Mm -hmm. So.
0: So, it was that live experience that made you connect? Oh, yeah. Like, and that was the moment. You were like, hey, I liked this, but then when you experienced it live, you knew you were in.
2: Exactly, exactly. And I always thought this would be so much fun. This would be, like, awesome. And, like, throughout my whole 20s, I just never did anything with it. Yeah. But I always thought this would be fun. I would love to do this. I would love to do this. But I just kept going to comedy shows. I mean, I didn't even know where to start. Like, if even if I wanted to pursue it.
0: Well, I, I feel like a lot of people are in that mindset, right? Like, they Yeah. It, but they're
2: like, what the fuck do I do? Yeah, it? it's like, what do I do? Who do I talk to? Well, yeah, exactly. So. You're right. I mean, especially out here, there's so many people trying to pursue it. But it's just who really knows the correct way to do it, if there even is a correct way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so.
0: So what were you into before comedy then? Because 20 years of your life, if comedy wasn't a huge thing for you, what were you...
2: What, through my 20s? Yeah, like through... Or like before I went to my first comedy show. Yeah, like
0: before your first comedy show, like what did you like? What was, what were you passionate about?
2: Um, then like, I mean, I was still 21. Um... Like we had a good group of friends throughout high school that we still. I mean, we were just hanging out locally in the AV, just just causing a ruckus. I mean, I remember like there were a few friends that like we just talked about nothing. We were cracking up like nonstop. Yeah. So I mean, kind of we were doing the comedy thing, just in front of our friends. But honestly, I I was just going. I mean, I was going to the beach doing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Just, well, yeah, close, right? Yeah, close but home. I did just. We never quite. I made it out to Hollywood, to be honest with you. So, I mean, we were just hanging out, really. I mean, I wasn't really pursuing anything.
0: Well, it's kind of like, I identify with that completely, because growing up, I was about 40 minutes outside of New York. Yeah. And so, it was always this presence, you know, like, for instance, all the news and culture came from New York to me. Yeah. And then, I, so I felt connected to it, but at the same time, it was always somewhere I had to travel to.
2: Exactly. So, so yeah, it's always over there, mm-hmm. and you probably didn't quite make it over there that often.
0: Yeah, same thing around, like, 21 or so. There was this one night I remember uh, my friend Ian and I went over, you know, I think it was summer, and we were like, we're just gonna go hang out yeah. one night in Manhattan, and we went, and, like, it was that life-changing experience you are talking about. We went to see, I think it was um, a band called We Are Scientists. Yeah, band. never I heard of them, but... They're, they're pretty good. I mean, they're not really... I, th- I don't think they've done anything in a while, Yeah, but at the time, you know, early kind of like mid to late 2000s, they were pretty popular. And um, it was like, you know, being in a club, listening to this band, it was like, that was the moment. Yeah. And so for me, like, I got, I was already into music, but that was a moment where I connected with it differently, similarly to how you're talking about it. Yeah,
2: that's that's really cool. Actually, now that you mentioned it, like, I forgot, like, back in the day, I was like into punk and rock music and stuff. Mm-hmm. I forgot, I did have a few buddies. We, like we went to the warp Tour, we went to so wow, many awesome. shows yeah so i remember that we did a lot of that before i found comedy so i was more into concerts at that time
0: yeah what's interesting right is like music in so many ways i mean i also found comedy through music yeah and you know i think that's such an interesting pathway because like growing up you hear music everywhere and then you're you kind of filter through what you like and Uh then you discover oh there's this strain of sound that is more like humorous i should pursue that
2: yeah yeah that's true it's kind of one of the same i remember always hearing that that Comics want to be rock stars and rock stars want to be comics. I, I forgot who said that, but I'm like, I could see that it's kind of one in the same.
0: Yeah. There's, did you see that show now on comedy central called comedy jam?
2: Oh, no, I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah. That's Yeah, it's the pretty drama. much aren't the right. comics like rocking out to mm-hmm. yeah. See, so they get to live their dreams. Like.
0: Yeah. It was like Chris Hardwick came out and he did like, uh, the, was it wanted dead or alive yeah. so, by Bon Jovi? That's us Do they, they like
2: lip sync, or they're actually like seeing him play? Oh, so. they're,
0: they're fucking performing. Oh, really? Shit Holy yeah. shit. And I gotta watch it. A lot of them, yeah. It's actually really entertaining, and it's cool because they'll bring out people from the original band. That whatever song it is,
2: that's even more badass, right? Like I, I would like lose my mind if I was like able to play like one of their songs with them. I mean anybody's song.
0: Dude, like Pete Davidson. Yeah. From SNL, he came out and he did. A, he was gonna do Gangsters Paradise, so he does like the first verse or whatever. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Coolio runs on what? stage and everyone's like, "Fucking Coolio!" What? <laughs>
2: Yeah, that, that'd be like, that'd be an epic moment in anybody's, like, life.
0: You just, like, hang out with Coolio, right?
2: Hell yeah, that, that, that's a crazy life, man.
0: Apparently, Coolio is a chef now. What? He has like, a cookbook and shit. What
2: the I hell? I really know. I guess I guess if you can't stay in the rap yeah. game forever. No, well, you man. can, but shit. I it's,
0: like, I, it's like, I wonder, though. I really want to investigate his cookbook. I want to make some recipes. I'll figure I wonder out if, if it's any good. good. Yeah, because, I mean, like, for whatever reason, I trust him.
2: Yeah, he, he seems like a legit guy. I mean, Gangster's Paradise, come on.
0: Although, it's like, how do you, how do you go from Gangster's Paradise to the Keenan and Kel theme song?
2: That's a good point. <laughs> I don't know, I guess sometimes <laughs> the money's worth it. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can only imagine how much he got paid for it, though. So. Yeah, but Kel- he sold out, though. He sold out hard.
0: Maybe Kel's like super gangster and we never knew.
2: That could have been it. Because we know Keenan's not. No. Yeah, but Kel, nobody knows where he's at.
0: Yeah, because he's so gangster, he's like invisible.
2: That's true. He's with Tupac right now, probably,
0: right? Yeah. Speaking of Tupac, made me think of the hologram. Yeah. Which made me Coachella. Think of Coachella. Yes. Made me think of a story I read about three months ago. That says that um, they're trying to put together an Andy Kaufman and I think it was Richard Pryor hologram comedy tour.
2: That would be crazy, right? Damn.
0: No, I don't know. I want it. No, Red Fox. I think it was Red Fox.
2: That. That would sell out real quick. I'd go watch that.
0: That would you, like, be interesting. I, like, I wonder how well it would play to a live audience. Because music is one thing, because you have the sound. But yeah. But you just have the hologram up there speaking.
2: That's that's true. How are they supposed to stop for
0: a pause great I mean, mm. like, laugh pauses, you yeah. know? That's, I mean, like, if it that's was... That's a good point. If it was sophisticated enough where they were able to just generate, like, that, so that the hologram had a sentient way of pausing. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool.
2: But I do not you think it's up to that level yet? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, not if they would like keep going and get like the audience would be laughing and then we'd miss a joke because they keep going. Yeah. So yeah, right, like that's a good point. Out. I mean, it's a good concept, but you're right. I don't, I don't think that will work too well comedy wise. Maybe one day. Yeah, because you're right. Music, you're just seeing your song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but huh, yeah, well, hopefully one day, then they could bring back all the great comics that yeah, that a lot of people haven't seen. I always wanted to see George Carlin, I never got to see him.
0: So you would love to see George Carlin.
2: Yeah, he was he was top top one of the one of my favorites right there.
0: So he was an inspiration to you as a comedian?
2: There's been so many that I look up to.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that. Tell me about who you I know it's kinda of like one of those things where you get asked. Like you yeah. always think about it and then someone asks you and you go blank.
2: Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Not well there's just so many, like I mean, well of course they ain't cook. And then, um, I don't know if you heard of a Filipino guy named Joe Coy. He's yeah, kind of, he's kind of up there. I but I remember like when back in the, when we saw Dan Cook for the first time, Joe Coy was actually part of that show too. Yeah. And he was like nobody. He was, a, he was just trying to do his thing at the Laugh Factory. And like, we thought he was funny. Me and my, my buddy's Filipino too. So of course he thought he was mm-hmm. the best. So, I mean, we went to so many of his shows. So many, of, even to this very day, like he's pretty big now. And he's still like, every time we go to a show, like he always does a meet and greet afterwards. Oh, yeah. And he always remembers us and stuff, so it's, it's really cool to, that, that he remembers the dudes that were there from, like, day one. I mean, I can imagine those are the people you would remember, though. Like, it's, since I'm a beginning comic, like, if people came up to me right now, I can imagine if I became big, I would still remember those people, because they're the ones that stood by your side for yeah. since, since the beginning.
0: Well, it's important to connect like
2: that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, Joe Coy, he's, he's a big inspiration. It's that we? I see him go from nothing to pretty big right now. So, um, Chappelle, of course. I remember his for I forgot which. Have you seen his, his stand-ups on DVD or whatever, like the old ones? Um, I think it was called Killing Them Softly with like an orange cover one.
0: Yes, I remember when that was in the theaters. Oh, was it? Yeah, I really oh. think it was. Yeah, I didn't see it in the theaters, but yeah. I remember seeing it right after it came yeah. out on like whatever on demand. I remember
2: watching that like when I was in my high school days and thinking that was freaking hilarious
0: well when you think about comedy like when we were in high school early 2000s-ish yeah like Dane Cook Dave Chappelle yeah you know there's not many other comedians in that period of time right that remember their name
2: I think Dane Cook like brought comedy back
0: that's interesting right yeah Yeah, that's really fascinating because like you know, we say here, we're like, okay, we understand what happened in the 60s, even the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Yeah. And then in that kind of like post-alt comedy thing in the late 90s, early 2000s, it's kind of like, well, who's there? Exactly. You know?
2: I mean, you had SNL on TV, you had all these comics on TV. I mean, Jim Carrey was on, what, Living Color? Mm-hmm. I remember watching Living Color growing up. Yeah, I mean, you had all the Waynes brothers and sisters on that show, but you're right, know, like, stand-up, though. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't really talked about at that time so
0: I guess it would be Seinfeld but even, oh yeah but even that is like
2: but yeah. I think he like concentrated probably more on the show at that time than mm-hmm. even doing stand-up so
0: and you could see that with the show like as it evolves they cut out a lot of those you know like interstitial pieces where he would be doing stand-up yeah and it cut to a scene yeah Eventually, just became this the show
2: exactly so yeah. like I say he probably put stand-up aside for that whole time because mm-hmm. the show was such a huge success that he probably just didn't even think about stand-up. So you're right. Around the 90s, where was stand-up? And then Dan Cook showed up. And that's what brought everybody back into it, I think. So
0: That's interesting. You know, it's like, Dan Cook gets a lot of shit because he was, you know, he was a little vulgar and he was also kind of, you know, playing to the mass audience.
2: Well, I know his downfall was when he stole the Louis C.K. joke, supposedly. that That's yeah. when, that's when he was at the height and then, and then there was the controversy about how he stole the joke and that's when the downward spiral happened for him so so that was yeah, yeah joke ceilings not a joke in the comedy world
0: well apparently i didn't get a chance to read a story but i saw a headline that says conan is going to trial over some kind of joke that. what was yeah i I, we told we him to really i yeah. never i didn't even hear that one i, I feel like it's hard to believe though because it's fucking conan yeah like He's already so established. Exactly.
2: Him. Plus, like, I can imagine most of the jokes that he says on TV aren't even written by him anyway.
0: Exactly.
2: Yeah, that's crazy.
0: So it's like, what, are you accusing the whole writing staff all of a sudden?
2: Yeah, but, I mean, right now, like, everybody's pointing fingers at everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, you stole this show. You stole it. I don't know if you heard the the Louis C.K. on SNL about how there was a skit stolen by, uh, what was his name, Tig, Tig Notaro or something? Mm-hmm. Did you hear about that? Uh, no, I didn't hear yeah, about it was, that. Uh, yeah, there was like a skit that like, I guess, was dead on to a skit you released online or something that was on SNL. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so, so there's, there's that one, and then there's the Amy Schumer special that just came out. Everybody's saying she sold jokes. So it's like a big thing right now, I guess. It's crazy.
0: Well, it's like in the, with the internet, it's like, you know, we were talking yesterday, and we were talking about jokes, and you said yeah. to me, just put it up on Facebook. See the reaction you get. Yeah. So that's a great idea. And then I imagine that for you, because you're a performing comic, there's also got to be some anxiety, because it's like, okay, yeah, you want friendly reaction, but at the same time, once it's out there, it's out of your control.
2: That's true. I don't think I've, like, I don't know what I would do if, like, I heard my joke said, Mm -hmm. like, I don't think I'm too worried about it, but, like, I, I, I just don't know why. It would, would, be, it would
0: be very jarring, because that's, like, your intellectual yeah. property and your passionate project.
2: Yeah, so that's like, that would be, so you're right, that's not the safest route to see if a joke works or not, but, like, to so that hasn't really crossed my mind. Like, I don't know. Well,
0: there's also that thing of, like, when you're kind of in the up-and-coming stage of your career, uh, you need that feedback at the same time.
2: Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean you can go to an open mic and try a joke and you're performing in front of the other comics anyway so in all reality you have no freaking idea if it's going to work like an actual show or not so that's just the second part they say go to open mics go to open mics but like I said at the same time you're not going to get any energy and you're really not going to know it. because I remember I did an open mic once and like the joke did not land at all and that same week I had a show at the comedy store and like the whole room erupted in laughter so yeah. so, so you're right there's, there's no easy way of Telling whether or not your stuff's funny or not. That's why it's posted online. I'm like, if I get enough people to like it, and well, now they can put that little laugh emoji thing. Mm-hmm. Then I think, all right, maybe I can make something happen out of this. If I get like negative two likes, then I'm like, all right, maybe I should scrap this. And so, so.
0: Is that how you've constructed your set that you are doing at this time?
2: Um, somewhat. I've kept some jokes from the very beginning when I took that comedy. Um, what else are they called comedy class with Rob? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, there's some jokes from the beginning that I like so much that I had like I haven't scratched yet. And like I said, I've been doing comedy for like a year and a half, so I mean that's a long time to keep a joke. But I'm new, so I'm like I don't think too many people have heard that joke. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if it's fresh ears in the audience, it really doesn't matter because it's new to them. So I mean, if it's my friends that are at my show, then I want to try new stuff because they've already heard my shit so many times, but. Like I said, if, if they haven't heard a joke that I've had for, like, two years, like, why not use it if you know it's going to work?
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, that's interesting, too. And then as you're saying that, I'm thinking, like, okay, you, so you mentioned Rob. Our, yeah. Rob Jesse, who, who you perform with pretty often. Oh, yeah. And so, like, I've noticed after seeing your guys' shows, there's sort of, like, these little, I don't know if click is the right word. Uh-huh. Like, you know, you, you guys perform as part of the Rebels of Comedy series. Yeah. You perform as part of the Flappers kind of crowd. Yeah, so there's so like, many
2: different people putting together shows. It's crazy.
0: So how did you get affiliated with both of those groups?
2: Um, Flappers, actually, um, Lewis. he's a really cool dude. Burbank, oh yeah, Flappers, Burbank. oh yeah, there's a Claremont one. I don't even know where the hell that's at. I don't even know where Claremont's at. <laughs> <You're there.
0: laughs>
2: nah, but I remember like, Lewis, the dude that organized those shows, he's a really cool guy. Um, it's always just his shows we do. I mean, that's the only guy we know that, that does the shows there. But I remember, like, online uh, in Facebook there's like different comedy groups you could join and I remember uh Rob actually joined one of the groups or something he he found Lewis he posted hey anybody want to do the show and then Rob hit me up he's like hey let's do the show I'm like all right cool so I mean we did that probably like I think oh yeah Facebook reminded me that our first show there was like a year ago yeah so I mean we've done maybe like four or five shows there with them yeah but, I mean, yeah, a year ago, like, yeah, we just hit him up, and he invited us to hop on his show, and that's how we found him. So, so Rob actually found that guy. And, actually, Rob found the Rebels of Comedy, too. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I remember he, he's he got a buddy that does comedy out in Wh- Whittier, where he lives at. And I remember he was part of the Rebels of Comedy show, so me and Rob just went to go support at the the Formosa. And then, um, I mean, we're like, this is a cool spot. Um, let's see how to hop on the show. So, I remember, like, I remember the guy that – uh that hosted the show that night, he, uh, I remember his name, so I just found him on Facebook, and then I messaged him, I'm like, hey bro, how do we get, like it's a cool show you guys are doing, how do we get on the show? And then first he wanted a video or whatever, I'm like, I don't have a video, but I'll send you one whenever I get it, so I'm like, damn it. And then like, maybe the next day he messaged me again, he's like, forget the video, just come out to the next show, and then talk to TK. Mm -hmm. So me and Rob just went to that next show, and we talked to TK, and he was more than, Happy to invite us to perform on that stage. So, Wait,
0: what's TK's last name?
2: Mad Matta Matt Madison Matteson Mattson Mattson something yeah. like that, man. TK Matteson. Just call yeah. him TK.
0: Yeah, it's like such a unique. It's like most names, like if you have two initials, are kind of weird, but TK just sounds so cool. Yeah, it does.
2: Yeah, it sounds like a cool, cool last name.
0: And it's like fuck, well, you don't even need a last name. Yeah,
2: so that's why. That's why we struggle on the last name right now because it's yeah. just TK. As as These the are really show. cool, dude. But yeah, I mean, that's how we found. Well, like I said, Raw pretty much found both shows, but right. the Rebel of Comedy. I'm the one that pursued them and said, "Hey, how do we get on the show?" So, so that's. I mean, that's
0: pretty much. It's it's weird how you find shows. So you're. This is interesting because it's like, I'm sure everybody in stand-up. So now, obviously, right? We we can go into like improv and sketch later. Yeah. Like specifically with stand-up, it's kind of like every person for themselves. It really, that's the. That I I like that, though.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could work at your own pace. You can move at your own pace. Like, if, if you don't want to do it, then you don't do it. If you want to freaking go hard on it, go hard on it. But, yeah, you don't have to rely on anybody. That's, that's the really cool part. Unlike Like you said, improv, where you need a group and stuff. Like, I mean, I don't know much about improv, but, like I said, I, I think I'd rather work on my own pace. And then if you have a bad show, that's kind of on you. So, it's all on you. Everything's on you.
0: So, I don't like it I don't know why but I like it well it's it's like a personality trait I think so it's like you like to be in control and you also are like sink or swim I I got this
2: yeah you're you're right
0: you know right you don't want to be responsible for for that guy over there that's
2: true but I mean in all reality we want a great show for all the comics though so I mean you kind of want everybody to shine but in all reality that's on them though
0: so what's the camaraderie like? Like, obviously, so you're doing all these shows, like, so, for example, last week, Yeah. Uh, well, two weeks ago, uh-huh. when, I, when I was at your show, The Rebels of Comedy, there's different people there than the previous time. And different, comics or the crowd? Uh Well, a few, uh, well, right now I'm talking about comics. Oh, okay. A few of them were the same yeah. as usual, but, you know, it's it's like always a rotating cast, right? Yeah. So how do you sort of form camaraderie when, like, every time you perform, you never know exactly who you're going to be kind of bonding with during that experience
2: um i mean i love meeting new people so i mean that it's, it's an honor like if i go to a show and there's new comics i mean i would love to to meet up with them. i mean even if i even if some comics i've already done shows with like i don't know i think it's easy i don't think it's hard to to vibe with the the comics i mean there's some i mean most you would think comics are like really in it for themselves <laughs> But in all reality, like, a lot of them are, are helpful. A lot of them, especially the up-and-comers like me, like, of course, you, I mean, you want to shine with everybody, so, I mean, if you see somebody doing great, you meet them, you get their information, you freaking go hit mics with them, so, it's it's, a, it's fun. It's a fun little community, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's it's totally true, like, and I think a lot of that has to do with, like, stage pers- uh, persona and presence. yeah. Um, a lot of people construct this kind of harder edge and they're up there yelling or they're saying something controversial and then they come off stage and oh, like, yeah. they're like teddy bears.
2: That's true. You know, that's true. Cause I mean, I can imagine Anthony Jeselnik is an asshole. He's not saying, <laughs> I actually met him at the comedy store. I mean, I said, what's up? Like you, I love your comedy. And then, I mean, he was, he was, he was just like, he was nice. He, was, he asked me my name. That's cool. I asked, I told him, well, every big comic I ever run into, I'm like, Hey, I want to, I would love to one day do a show with you. I just tell them that just for the hell of it and then he was just super chill he's like that'd be awesome Then, like I said he asked me my name that kind of stuck in my head because like not too many people care about what your name is you know so so you're right like like say you could be an asshole on stage but off stage
0: like it's it's all your persona I wonder how hard it is for them to go now it's a different thing if you're talking about like a stadium show but if you're talking about just doing a, a you know kind of a Smaller show at the yeah. comedy store, which is great because it's intimate. Yeah right? So like comedy store you just come off and you're just in the middle with everyone kind of hanging out Yeah, and uh, I remember one last time I saw Mark Maron there and we just went back and he like sat in the corner
2: So that's why I love the comedy store. Like you're right It's such a small intimate place that you could walk down the hallway and just like run into Like people you idolize and just say what's up. That That's why I, that's what I love about that place
0: Yeah, I wonder if for them is it hard to just turn That stage persona off and be like, oh, now here's a real person. How are you doing?
2: I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, even when I get on stage, like I just do my thing. But after that, I'm like, I mean, I'm still feeling the high or the low. If I had a great show, of course, I'm feeling that energy. And if I had a crappy show, I'm like, shit. Mm -hmm. But I mean, sure, because you get on stage and you're still just you. So you're speaking from your heart. Exactly. Exactly. So I mean, I'm not to the Mark Maron caliber, but I I would hope that. Not yet. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. but over time, man. Yeah. Over time.
0: Well, you know, he put in his, what is it, the quote, the Malcolm Gladwell quote, quote 10, put in your 10,000 hours. Oh, show.
2: yeah. Yeah, my buddy actually mentioned that the, the other day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he he, like, he he, was giving me props for like all the shows I was doing, but mm-hmm. like he's doing like improv shows. I'm like, you got the quality, I got the quantity, but he's like, well, don't forget the 10,000 hours. I'm like, you're right. So I guess I'm on the right track there. So.
0: Yeah, and then it's like, you know, we tend to think about putting in the 10,000 hours for whatever our projects might be yeah it doesn't look the same that's true right so you can't necessarily judge your work as a stand-up versus the work of an improv because it's just a different spectrum
2: exactly exactly that's two totally I mean I can imagine it's two totally different worlds I mean I don't know much about improv but Mm -hmm. I mean I'm taking a class right now over at the local community college but I mean it's a community college class like half the people are just there for credit they don't care so, mm-hmm. so I mean they class is whatever but I mean it's it's a lot different than stand-up's ever been that's
0: for sure just yes and the shit out of everything oh yeah 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 exactly mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's interesting it's interesting so if you say like someone came up to you you're doing a show at the comedy store uh-huh. someone comes up to you and says oh Bobby V we this is this is my first time ever performing on stage what's the advice that he gives to them?
2: Have fun. I've heard that advice so much time, so many times that I'm like, that's beautiful. Yeah, it, it, it makes sense because I mean, half the time you're in your head, and you're like shit, especially if it's on your first show. Mm-hmm. I remember my first show, like I was nervous as hell, but I but that en- like that energy I got from the very first laugh I got, mm-hmm. like that's the highest I've ever felt in comedy. Like, I've been chasing that energy ever. I mean, I don't think I'm ever gonna feel that way again, but but I mean once once you feel that that energy. Then you pretty much just roll off of it. So I remember my first set ended up being a success because I was feeling high as hell. So.
0: What's well, it? Losing Virginia. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like it's, other sex are gonna be good, but not quite the same.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good way of putting it right there. So. It's so true, man. It's so true.
0: So your style. So we mentioned a lot of the influences that yeah. you had. Now. I. Don't kill me for saying this. I'm going to kill you, bro. Don't kill me, bro. I just, in my head. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, you do, you do jokes based on your experience and uh-huh. you do, and you do some jokes based on, um, kind of like very masculine, like, uh, working with your hands hardware type of vibe that reminds me in some ways of Tim Allen.
2: I haven't heard a up, but I can, I mean, I'll Home improvement shit.
0: There's like a connection. I'm not saying in any way it's, it's. It's like you're doing the same stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, I well, didn't... I like that.
2: I haven't even heard a stand-up anyway, so. Mm-hmm. You just you
0: go, I can't even I just fucking barked for no reason, but you still get
2: Nah, but, but yeah, I mean, I can see it. I can see it, but I just try to be me. Like, I don't think I really mimic any comic. I mean, like, sure, like I said, there's ones I idolize, there's ones I love watching, but I don't think I really taken anything from them.
0: Mm-hmm. I yeah, I, I would totally agree with you. Yeah. So then, who are you as an artist, right? Like, what? Where do you generate your material? Um,
2: I take a concept of a fact of life, and I just make it bigger than it really is. Like the Lowe's joke, I did work there for eleven years. I did pretty much grow up there, but of course, everything I broke down in the joke. Sure wasn't true um the gym is just stuff i experienced at the gym the old dude in the locker room <laughs> that guy yeah that there's, everybody there's always that everybody's seen that guy yeah, yeah. so it's, it's just i take a concept that i think is funny and i just make it bigger than life really is so i'm mm-hmm. just trying to find a joke in it pretty much
0: and i like that you my favorite thing about your stand-up is you know, you're kind of talking about these masculine things like let's go to the gym. Yeah. Let's go, you know, fucking well, that's,
2: hardware. That's what I do. <laughs> I guess that's just who I am. So.
0: But then at the same time, you're not afraid to make fun of yourself. No, no. Yeah. Which is, which is a great juxtaposition because you would think someone who's talking about those topics would be very like, oh, I have to be very tough and self-conscious. Oh, yeah. No, but forget that. That's, that. Like, that's really great.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Not, I mean, you got to be honest in, uh, in comedy. The audience knows if you're, you're bullshitting. That's one thing I learned. Like. So, just be honest. Like, if you have flaws, own them. Make a joke of it, the, the audience will laugh at you because they'll be like, oh shit. Especially if they hear it later or something, then it's even better.
0: Do you ever feel like you're working through your issues, some issues that you have with your comedy, the way that other comedians talk about doing that? What do you mean? So, like, you know, like Mark Marin, for instance, he's always talking in his stand up about things that are on his mind or thing or like, you know, uh, emotional problems he might be going through in a moment. You, I'm not saying that I don't you're... think I've like any
2: of my jokes are that deep yet I don't think I mean honestly it's basic stuff but I don't think I've ever like like thought of something like a problem in
0: my head and be like trying to find a joke in that is that what you're talking about well yeah right so like for me it's always very interesting to hear an artist talk about where their personal lives become influential in their material true right and it's and and you're right. I, I I love that you said not yet because it is definitely a a, a maturing process. Oh yeah,
2: oh yeah. Like I heard the first god knows how many years of a stand-ups career. Like you're just finding yourself up there. You're finding your voice. You're finding your persona. You're finding everything. So so I'm, I'm I mean I definitely have a lot of stuff to learn. So mm-hmm. but um, I mean I think so far I'm doing good.
0: Yeah yeah absolutely. And it's interesting because like now I've seen you probably I don't know. When, when did we meet? Maybe like a year ago almost. Yeah,
2: yeah, probably a year ago.
0: Shawn Michaels?
2: Oh, or yeah, it was last summer, I think. That was when that all went down, right? Yeah. It was summertime. It was nice outside. Adam. It had summertime. It was summertime. We'll just say it was summertime. Yeah, it was summertime. Yeah.
0: There were dudes screaming about Shawn Michaels. That's the true. wrestler. It was I almost got arrested. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> yeah, good time. But I remember, you know, kind of like watching you from then yeah. until now, like little things like. The way that you play with your hat on stage like all of that is interesting i lost the
2: hat except that night because i was burnt like he saw me otherwise i wouldn't wear the hat yeah yeah after after everybody told me like he couldn't see my eyes i'm like all right the hat's gone and after that it's gone i haven't ever performed with it until 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 a couple weeks ago
0: yeah but that's so fascinating right because it's like the self-awareness that you're exhibiting and doing that says a lot about your growth and now i've only seen you for a year And you've been doing it even before that so like it's 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 like the evolution oh yeah and you know to me that suggests that you're an artist that's gonna grow and go places.
2: i would hope so because i mean honestly i still feel the same on states like i don't feel like i've changed from day one to now Mm -hmm. but i mean people that have seen me continuously they like they give me props they're like you've definitely improved i'm like i feel the same up there Mm -hmm. yeah so i mean i guess you just change without even without even acknowledging it. it's crazy
0: well, that suggests becoming more comfortable with yourself, oh, and, yeah. and you're not thinking about how you're changing.
2: That's true. Yeah, like I said, still sometimes it still feels like day one up there, but mm-hmm. I guess I still do better than I did in day one, so it's really cool. It's
0: interesting. So, in in the possible evolution of you becoming more personal with your material, uh-huh. do you also feel like at some point you'll be interested in addressing any of the political stuff that's going on? No,
2: I want to leave that shit out. Like some there's. People don't want. People don't want to go to comedy show to hear the shit that they can just turn the news on. I think. I mean, I don't want to go to comedy show and here. Political this. Plus, I don't even really follow politics that much, anyways. I probably should, mm-hmm. but politics has never really been my my thing. But, but yeah, it's just, and I don't want to be like every other comic too. Like, you, you go to the, like, of course, I'm new in comedy, so, I mean, of course, every most of the shows I have are, are newer comics, and, like, there's so many Trump this, Trump jokes that. Like, I, I don't, I want to be different. I mean, my, like, I'm like, who else is going to joke about those? I don't know. Uh, yeah, so, sure, sure. I, I, I just want different stuff, because I, I, I don't want to hear the same stuff everybody's already been talking about. Yes,
0: I was watching an interview with Steve Martin recently, and he's talking about, you know, when he first started out, he did, like, the long hair tie-dye hippie thing yeah. in the late 60s. And then he was talking about a moment he had where he looked around, similar to what you just said, and he's like, you know, everybody has the tie-dye and the long hair. So he like did George it. Carlin. That was his style. He like, totally changed it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's like Steve Martin had that moment where he was like, I need to cut my hair, wear my suit, and be the anti of what's going on. And he built his whole career off of trying to be that difference
2: that's good because i mean look at any big comic in the business like none of them are really that similar true that's why like people fall in love with this comic because he's it's, it's totally different than anybody else so like yeah every big comic like i don't think two of them are really similar at all hmm. so that that's the thing too
0: the hardest thing that i find in writing of whether it's comedy, writing is hard but yeah writing is fucking hard yeah it is and and you know whatever form you're writing in uh, whether it's sketch whether it's stand-up um storytelling even uh it's like for me i find a hard time trusting my perspective and owning it that's true you know so like what do you how do you kind of when you feel like you're writing something and you're kind of like not sure what the angle is how do you get comfortable with yourself and say all right this is what i'm going to put i
2: have to be sure at least a little bit yeah like if i'm not sure i won't do it like like i can't i wouldn't be able to joke about something that i'm not sure of or like everything that i joke about i'm 100 in on it mm-hmm. yeah like that's why like i don't know how people well first of all i don't know how people can steal jokes because mm-hmm. it's unless you have that exact same mindset then i don't know how they do it and then also like if you just joke about something that's that you don't like you have to get a whole room of people to believe what you're saying you have to get them on board and if you don't believe it then they're not getting on board so so i don't think it's possible to even do comedy if you're not 100 percent sure the hell you're doing
0: and with comedy too it's like say you were a lecturer and you're just up there talking about i don't know uh george washington yeah and and you could go up there and you could kind of like just spit facts and be very generic but if you're a comedian and you're trying to own a room like that, people will see right through you if you're not genuine.
2: Exactly. Like, immediately. Yeah. Yeah, then they won't laugh. They won't be connected with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, if they are looking at you on stage and you're, like, expressing them that you feel either angry or happy or sad or whatever it is toward weight, then they'll be like, shit, this guy's not messing around. But if you're just up there and you're like, uh, yeah, they they know all eyes are on you. That's, that's a very nerve-wracking thing, too.
0: Yeah, and you know, thinking about audience, you know, now in two thousand seventeen, we have to think about not only an audience where you're performing in a room, yeah, but with all these media outlets. You know, everyone's talking about, oh, what fucking web series did you do? Oh yeah, what fucking tweets did you put out? Are you like, on this podcast? Yeah, are you on, are this you on YouTube?
2: Podcast? Are you on this? Yeah, that's a, yeah. It's I I don't even know much about like the online world of comedy and stuff, but I know that it makes it more difficult because there's so many people pursuing comedy now even via just YouTube and stuff that that you have to work your ass off to to make something happen I mean you always did but especially in this technology day and age Mm -hmm. like so many people are trying to do it so
0: I mean I could see how someone say you know you put in the the work and you know you're doing your your open mics you're doing your stand-up shows yeah and then all of a sudden you turn on TV one day and it's like oh here's this person that has now they have their own TV show because they did a few YouTube videos Like, I could see how that person who put in all the work doing stand-up would feel very slighted by that.
2: That's true, but... I think just work harder. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember hearing so many people just give up. Well, probably because they want instant gratification. And this, if you're doing stand-up comedy, you're probably any other comedy, anything (laughs) in the entertainment business, Yeah. like, you better work your ass off. Otherwise, I mean, it still might not even happen. You can work your ass off for God knows how many years, and still it might not happen. I remember somebody told me that if you don't have to get on stage you might as well just do not do it like if you're chasing success it, it, that's that's a horrible mindset to do mm-hmm. but i mean if you're addicted to it if you like have to hop on stage because so i remember for a while like maybe a month like last year like i had nothing lined up no shows i was lost man mm-hmm. i was so lost in life like i was like what do i do who am i where am i like i had to be on stage mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know if that, I mean, that feeling's still in me now, but I don't know, if, you know, I mean, if the fire's gonna burn forever, but it's true, if you don't have to do it, then you might as well not do it, because it'll be blood, sweat, and tears in the comedy world, if you want to make a name for yourself. It's not the luxurious lifestyle. So you,
0: okay, I mean, that's perfectly valid. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's hard because... You know, here we sit and we can both identify we have certain passions. Yeah. At the same time, though, we don't know what lies around the corner.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, your opportunity could be like, going to this show that you're like, nah, good. That's why I like to to go to any show. Even if I'm not in the show, I still like to go, like, support and stuff because you never know who you're going to meet. I remember I went to the Haha ha Comedy Cafe and um I always knew, like, out where I live at in Palmville, like, there's a local... Boulevard Cinema, it's like a three-story building, yeah. and I always heard they have a comedy show out there, but I never knew who organized it. I never even went to watch it, and then I went to the haha that night, and the dude that actually produces the show, he was there, and I'm like, oh shit! And then ever since then, I've had maybe like a monthly gig over at the Boulevard Cinema. So like I said, you never know who you're gonna run into just by even just going and supporting other comics. I mean, you never know who you're gonna meet. You meet at some other cool comics, and they could tell you, hey, I got a mic here, I got you just never know who you're gonna meet
0: mm. yeah i think anybody who's doing anything creative has to have that openness oh yeah right because like i think when i was first starting to wrestle with who i wanted to be creatively I was very protective yeah and like i would be very sheltered if you know if i wrote a sketch or something yeah i'd be like i'm only gonna let these three people read it because i trust them but you quickly learn that that's only gonna hurt you
2: that's true yeah yeah because i mean somebody with connection somebody you don't even know who they are they i mean you could have them read it and they be like this is good and then you never know who you're gonna get introduced to you never know who you
0: just showed it to yeah you just never know so at one of your shows recently yeah the last one that i was to at um the uh sycamore sycamore tavern two weeks ago uh-huh. you had a heckler and so oh, i forgot about the heckler Right, and so obviously in comedy, that's nothing new. That's not, like, a crazy thing. Yeah. But I but I imagine, though, it's got to be, you know, like, how do you kind of handle that without getting in your head and saying, oh, shit, like... I don't know so, how to you know, do that right? yet. Right, that's that to me seems Cause like... Because most, the most, most
2: comics, own
0: they, like, freaking talk smack
2: to the heckler or something, but, like, I'm, like, I'm I'm not really a smack talker, I'm not a shit talker. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. So if somebody says something in the middle of the set, like, like I mean, sometimes I just like ignore it. I mean, I've, thankfully, like out of the year and a half I've been doing it, I've only maybe had like two hecklers. Think on, but um, yeah. I I still I have no idea how to handle that. Like I said, so usually it throws my my joke off. Mm-hmm. It's sad. Um, but it's crazy though. Like speaking of hecklers, um, I had a bar show last week. I think it was, mm-hmm. and like if you want to learn how to deal with hecklers do a bar show. A bunch of drunk people. <laughs> yeah, like that room was so loud. Like people wouldn't shut up. I mean, thankfully like they some of them were laughing at your stuff and and keeping quiet but like there were so many people just talking and talking and talking. Like it was it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean those those comedy club shows compared to a bar show, like I would take those any day cuz hmm. yeah, those bar shows are rough.
0: It's got to be hard too because like even those people, those the, even though those people are drunk, it's like. Do you ever feel like. It's a reflection on you. Do you in other words, do you take it too personally sometimes? Um. I want to say no.
2: In the beginning, I did. It's awesome. Yeah, in the beginning, I did. Now, if I have a bad show or something like that, like I, I kind of shrug it off. Like sometimes it gets in my head. I'm like, shit. I'm like, that show sucked. Ah. But I mean, like half the time I could just shrug it off. Cause I remember, like if I had, a, I remember like the very first dad show I had. It was it sucked actually. It was a few months into my comedy thing. Like I don't know how I get shows until then, but it was uh, maybe like three months into my comedy, mm-hmm. and my dad came out from Texas. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's the first and only show my dad ever saw, and like I couldn't land any jokes whatsoever. It was rough. I don't know if it's because my dad was on the in the audience, but. But um, yeah, I remember like for a week straight, I just I was like, I quit. I'm not gonna do this. I quit. Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, nah, I, I got this. But but like, I think if I had a bad show now like that, like I did with my dad show, like I, I'd get over it and, like by the next morning. So mm-hmm. so over time, you just learn a show is a show. Yeah. I'm also having more shows now than I did when I first started too. So I I that probably makes a difference too. I mean, I'm more comfortable because mm-hmm. I'm there's just so much stuff that's changed within a year that i think i could just say f it to a bad show and go on to the next one
0: yeah and you also it's like having a supportive infrastructure of people booking you is like they'll see you and if you have a bad show and then they book you the next week you're like oh well that signals that it's just kind of hard for the course oh yeah exactly
2: exactly i mean even well even the bringer shows now like i like oh shit i'm i didn't bring anybody like the the last show i had that you thankfully showed up to like when i only brought you and and you brought your friend or whatever mm-hmm. like two people like I, i'm like he's never gonna book me again and then he actually hit me up today yeah. tk he's like hey i want to book you again i'm like really because i mean he wants like five people and like bringer shows like sometimes they really care if they if you bring five people or not but yeah, i'm like and
0: i think like you know the more especially people that run those shows they have been there yeah they understand the process so they're like oh get right back on you know do it it's That's gonna true. hurt but let's go
2: there's only one dude that really got Superman. Yeah. When it, like, I only brought two people. It was at Ice House in Pasadena. But it's like, because like, my buddy, he does he do a lot of shows with this guy, so I just added him on Facebook because that's what I do with comics. Like, if I hear your comic, sure. I just add. Why not? So, like, I remember I added him, and, like, maybe the next day, he's like, hey, um, do you want to hop on the show? I'm like, all right, I'm down. And then it was, like, the day before Thanksgiving last year. Was, well, yeah, the day before Thanksgiving. Well. Yeah, so, I mean, um, my some family lives, it was in Pasadena, and some, some of my family lives out there. Um, so, my aunt was going to bring a few of her daughters, and they all flaked on her. So, only my aunt showed up, and then I went with my other friend. So, I, I told uh-huh. the dude, I'm going to bring five people. And then, he's like, okay, cool. And then, when I got there, I'm like, I, I'm like yeah, that five kind of turned into two. And, like, his face just dropped. Like, I've never seen any booker ever get, like, that mad. Yeah. That I only, like, that I didn't bring the five people but I'm like, it's the day before Thanksgiving. Like, but he was mad. I'm like, yeah, he like had an attitude that whole night. I'd never want to work with that guy ever again. So.
0: See, that's a shame because it's like, you can ask people, but you cannot control people.
2: Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even people flake last minute too. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. And then like, they either don't show up or they hit you up like last minute saying, oh, this came out. I'm like, but I mean, it kind of hurts me too. I'm like. Let me know in advance, you know, because I already told this person this many people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it kind of makes me look bad when when I could have, like, let them know beforehand, you know. So, I mean, I understand stuff mm-hmm.
0: comes up and people do flake, but uh, let me know, you know. Well, I think it's also, too, people that don't do these shows as performers yeah. don't really understand what it means oh, yeah, to have a Those numbers show? matter, yeah. yeah. You know you're right so like in your own words how would you describe a bringer show and what it means to your performance that night um
2: I actually talked about this The, I mean some bringer shows are legit like I'm there's people that books of my bringer shows that I go to that I totally love they've been doing it forever but I mean bringer shows um, a lot of the time the quality is not gonna be great yeah because the people booking those shows only care about how many people are in those seats they don't care like if you're a new comic like, you're going to bring a lot of people because nobody's seen you. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I know some of those bookers, they go around and, and scout new comics. And so, like I said, I mean, they're brand new. So, of course, the quality of the show is not going to be up to par. But those seats will be filled and they will get paid. So, so it all depends. But, I mean, there are some bigger shows that it's just a solid show, you know. So, it all it all differs. But most of the time, it's just not great quality but the seats are filled because there's new comics and people want to go support their new comics
0: okay you know that presents a real problem right because i'm thinking about you know a minute ago we were talking about career trajectory we're talking about um you know other mediums but it's like If your career in the early stages is at the mercy of what other people do, in other words, like if people are not showing up and therefore you're not getting time on stage, therefore you're not getting time to develop, that seems incredibly unfair.
2: That's true. But that's when you reach out to this person that books this show, you reach out to this person that books that show. Like in the beginning, like you just stick with one person that says, hey, you want to hop on the stage? like, hell yeah, I do. Because that's the only person inviting you to hop on their stage. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I, I... I'm at the point where I'm like, just let me hop on any stage. I don't care. I don't care if it's a bringer show. I don't care if the quality, like, if the quality is bad at a bringer show, like I'd like to think maybe I could shine. True. Sure. Like. That's so, a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm mean, like, it's, it's like, I'll still go to those, those new bringer shows or whatever. But I'm just thankful that like so many people, I've met so many people that have a show here, have a show there. Cause like I said in the beginning, like maybe one show a month. Um, this last month I had a show like every weekend. Mm-hmm. Um Which I mean, me living in Palmdale, like I see some comics hop on stage to live out here like every night. I mean, I wish I could do that, mm-hmm. but me living in Palmdale where there's, like I'm an hour away, yeah, um sucks. so I mean me hopping on stage like even once like a weekend, I thought it was pretty cool, so yeah. so like I said a year a year and a half in, I'm just thankful that I've met with so many people that I could hop on all their different shows now instead of just sticking with the one that I did in the beginning for for a while, so. So as, as you grow as a comic, you, mean you you get the opportunity to find more stages and stuff, I believe. So So those, those bringer shows, I mean, they're so cool, but that's not, I'm not going to let it affect me. Like if it's a bad quality show, I'm, I'm still just going to do my thing. Like I said, maybe you can shine, Maybe you can catch somebody's attention.
0: That, that's incredible to hear you say all that stuff because it's so positive. Yeah. You've know? you got like, to
2: stay positive, otherwise you're screwed.
0: Yeah, and I think that reflects obviously a lot on you as a person. Like, I'm sure you carry that positivity into other areas of your life, too. I try. I try. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Now you're working on stand-up. Yes. What do you have interest in doing anything else? Like, are you writing anything for TV? Are you looking to do, like, scripts? I don't like, know anything about scripts? that stuff, to be
2: honest with you. I don't know about anything about scripts. I don't know anything about TV writing. I don't know, I don't know anything about that stuff. I mean, I just love stand-up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, honestly, I, I just want to go all in on and stand-up. I mean, it would be cool to learn all that stuff, but it's never really crossed my mind. To to take a class for that, I mean, of course, the more you know, the better. I think, like, if you could write script if you could write TV jokes and all that stuff, I mean, that's cool. It's just never really crossed my mind yet. So,
0: like you said, too, you meet people along the way, and maybe someone says to you, Hey, you know, I'm working this project, and then you get like a little input and you kind of see the mechanisms. Oh, yeah, and then from there, you're like, Oh, I have an idea. Yeah, right? like you never know what will spawn. That's creative true. Passions. Yeah,
2: yeah. I you mean, know? I'm, I'm, I'm always interested to learn this. I mean, something like that did come along. Of course, I, I sign up for it. So, mm-hmm. but right now, like that opportunity has not showed up. So I'm, I'm just doing, I'm just doing the standup thing. I just love it so much.
0: There's got to be in a like a rush.
2: There really is. You know, it's, it's, it's like drugs. Mm-hmm. It really is like drugs. Like I said, if you don't have a show booked, you're freaking lost. I mean. You can't wait for the show to come up I mean you don't want to get off stage when you're on stage mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's 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 a drug
0: what's the longest set you've done at this point uh 15 minutes Oh shit.
2: yeah, yeah I've done three well I attempted three 15-minute sets um the first well the first opportunity I had to do 15 minutes like I don't know how long I did I I just it was toward the beginning I think and I, I just pretty much like used every joke I had and I didn't never got the light so I know it wasn't 15 minutes <laughs> so <laughs> so I, wait, what'd you do I, I don't maybe like eight I don't know yeah, yeah I mean yeah, but then I mean piece. you could go 15 <laughs> no. minutes like but um I mean you didn't have to mm-hmm. it's one of those places where like if you don't want to do 15 then it's cool. cool yeah so then the second time I remember that was that was probably the best time I don't even know what happened this last time I tried to do 15 I think I'm just out of it but now the second time I did tried like it's all it was all at the same place it's called Dow comedy studio it's a really cool little spot um the where's, second time like um Melrose
0: Oh, it's okay. So it's in Hollywood. Oh yeah, it's
2: in Hollywood. I forgot where it's at. It's in some random spot. Um, it looks like an apartment complex. It's weird, but it's it's a really cool little spot. Um, they got like comfortable couches and stuff. It's a really like chill, chill little calming spot. Um, but the second time, that's probably the best fifteen because I like, I got the light and like it was solid. Like, right, it was just
0: you were like, holy shit, where did the time go? Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. I was I was just excited I got the light because I'm like cause I've never done fifteen before. Yeah. And then um, I remember I I did Dow... Maybe like a month ago and it it wasn't the best set I had. I mean it was still cool. But it, I mean compared to the second set where I, I it was a solid fifteen, like I think I got to fifteen this last time, but it, it wasn't it wasn't as good as the second time, so mm. but yeah, those fifteens were the only the longest longest I've done.
0: So now you have the show on June third at the Sycamore?
2: Uh yeah. So yeah, actually time, yeah, right? I booked that today. Um because like I said, this this month I've had well I I had two of the four shows so far. The last show was actually that last show I was in front of two hundred people. That was, that was probably the best show I've had so far. Right. It was a local show in the AV, um, and like I was a little guy. Like there were solid comics, mm-hmm. like some pretty. I mean they're not huge names, but they're pretty big names. That's awesome. Yeah. So like I said, I mean it was 200, 200 people. Um, like I said, that was probably the best show I've ever had in my well my short standup career I've had so far. But so I mean I'm still on a high from that show, but. I have two more this month, and then I have Sycamore. What is it, the the sixth or whatever?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I forgot. Um, what Saturday that is. is the third. Oh, it's, I'm just making numbers uh, up. Yeah, then. just fucking, just show up there. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> right, you could just stand with the mic, and if people walk in, that's fine. Right. If they don't, then they'll leave. Yeah.
2: So I got that one lined up, and then um, and then I got the comedy store lined up next month too. So I pretty much oh, have nice. four lined up.
0: What did you know the date of the comedy store?
2: Uh, yeah, it was um. Oh, he's checking the phone. Hold on. Check Hold on. Hold on. Uh, damn, I posted on that one thing. Uh, it was toward the end because because I'm actually gonna be in Wisconsin one weekend, so that's why I didn't want to book anything that weekend. Um, it's the 16th. I'll be at the commerce Store on the 16th. June 16th. I got Flappers nice. May 21st, Boulevard Cinema. I get to host that one Boulevard Cinema. That's a oh, local you're show. Fucking hosting. Nice. Yeah, because um, I got those last time too because. The host, the uh, well, last time he was sick, so that was cool. But I mean, it was my first time ever hosting, so I didn't have the greatest set, but it was still fun. So, I mean, this yeah. time, like, I kind of, I, I'll, I'll be more of the mindset of, of hosting, but it's it's fun to host them.
0: Yeah, and you got to just work it, you know, because you never know what the room's going to be like when you're hosting because you're up there so much of the time. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, I mean, that's going to be fun. So, that's the
2: 26th of this month, and then uh, Sigamore Tavern, June 2nd, and then the comedy store, June 16th. So, so you gotta, yeah I'd, I'd love like having this many shows lined up it's, yeah it's, it's gotta be very exciting it is it is that's uh, what i live for like i said i'm lost without shows so the I the four shows lined up i'm like shit nice. it makes me feel good you know so there's
0: so we've talked so we're kind of not up to date there's one other thing i wanted to do what's up so at the end of a lot of the uh discussions yeah I, i'd like to do chuck klosterman's hypotheticals have you ever heard of this Ooh. okay so let me grab it from over here. See, okay. I was not prepared. I didn't get it off the bookshelf. <laughs> nice,
2: nice. Um,
0: so Chuck Klosterman, the writer, you know, he's written a lot of books on pop culture. Worked for like Spin. Did some stuff. I believe he contributed to Rolling Stone. Oh wow. Um, he wrote he's a somebody. book. Somebody. Yeah, he's done stuff. You know, yeah. like he's also done a book called Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Puffs, which is just a series of essays on things like Guns and Roses cover bands and things like that. Interesting. And so he, from that book. Um, and, and some other of his work, he put together these hypotheticals, uh-huh. and they present a situation, and then they ask you what you would do, and then ask you to justify it. Okay. So I, what I want to do now is I want you to pick a card at random. Pick a card, any card. And then we're both going to answer whatever the quandary is. Okay. This one. Okay. Why am I grabbing like twenty of them? Yeah. Take, there you go. Take there go. we go.
2: That one. That's the winner.
0: All right. So let's see. Bobby V chose. What did I choose? At long last, someone invents the dream VCR. This, wait, wait for it. <laughs> really, VCR? Yeah, we're going back to VCRs. I won't do this game. This game, <laughs> actually, you know, it, it should be DVD player. So, right. to say, at long last, someone invents the dream DVD. No, all right, there we go. And there Blu-ray. Go. That's better. And That's Blu-ray. 1080p. 1080p, indeed. I'm not watching anything if it's not 1080p. Oh, yeah, it's not worth it. No, I'm just going to kick the machine. Yeah, yeah it yeah, could be your
2: favorite TV. movie, but no... Nope. Yeah, thanks, but no thanks Karate and yeah,
0: John-Claude Van machine. So this machine allows you to tape an entire evening's worth of your own dreams Which you can then watch at your own leisure. However, the inventor of the dream blu-ray player <laughs> That's better. Wait, wait, way to update it bro mm-hmm. <laughs> Will only allow you to use this device if you agree to a strange caveat so you can only use That's the dream caveat. So, so in other words, you can only use this machine yeah. if you agree to the following, okay? When you watch your dreams, you must do so with your family and your closest friends in the same room. They get to watch your dreams along with you. And if you don't agree, you can't use the dream Blu-ray player. Would you still do it? Why or why not? Of course I would. So, say you had a dream of you having relations with a distant cousin but was still like a family member you would watch that with them i'd be
2: like it's my i don't know what's going on in my brain when i'm asleep I'm like, i'll just plead the fifth okay i'm like i don't know i don't know that i mean like i i think it'd be because i right especially now i don't remember any of my damn dreams nowadays Yeah, like when i'm younger like i i, I woke up every night because i remember this i remember that i don't remember the last time i dreamt so i mean to see what the hell goes on in my head plus like it's your dream like, you don't control your dreams, so you can definitely tell your family. Like, I don't know. <laughs> well,
0: I, I think here the differentiation what? is someone that has a very religious family. Oh, well, that's, that's not right. my family. My family's <laughs> old-fashioned. That's what I was gathering. They're not
2: religious. They're old-fashioned, though. They don't believe in drinking or any of that stuff. But I'm, I still would not mind. So I would care.
0: you were raised Amish? Yes. Oh, nice.
2: I remember one time I drank too much and ended up getting a hospital i mean, getting an ambulance right at the hospital. Yeah, I did that too. Yeah. yeah, and then, like, then I tried to hide it from my parents. And I forgot. I was living at home. I mean, it was addressed to me, the bill. But mm-hmm. they still opened it. And then they claimed I should go to AA for, like, a month straight. They they thought it was an, I'm like, no, I just drank too much. But now nah, they thought it was a straight-up alcohol. <laughs> yeah, they were so mad at me. Like, yeah. It
0: was well, it, it's snap judgment that they make. They're like, oh, one thing happened. This yeah. must be what always goes on.
2: It's funny. I was... I. Because my buddy was on a raves back in the day, and I just drank a raves. I didn't do the bad stuff, yeah. but like I just told my parents I was at a bar. Because if, they, if I told them I was at a rave, <laughs> that would not that would not be a good time.
0: So I wonder, like my parents probably wouldn't even know what a rave was, so they they like, they'd probably be like asking their friends, oh, Sonia, do you know what a rave is? Do you know what a rave is?" Really? Yeah. Actually, that no, I don't,
2: I would think my parents would know. I would think actually, now that you mentioned it, I don't. No, they would know. Nah, they, there's been news stories on it, on raves, so I would think
0: they would know. But I'll leave my title now. So we're going to do a, a person on the street type interviews, where we're just going to go up to older people and say, please describe a rave. You should, that'd be answers fun. We that'd be fun. All right, note to self, project. All right, we're doing it. Let's do it. See, now, when I think of this question, I think, Yeah. you know, my initial thought is, absolutely, you know, I can't control my dreams. Yeah. Whatever happens is a composite of several things. But then, I was raised Catholic. Yeah. And my dad's side of the family is the one. Like, my mom's side was cool, like we were saying about your family. Yeah. My dad's side, though, would hold anything against me that they could. Even if it was a dream. I I believe that. Yes. Not my aunt. My aunt was always cool, but, like, everybody else, like, my dad, my grandparents, all those people, they were, like, you know... Anything that like there was never anything I could do to justify my behavior. Yeah, it was always that, that up. I know so, but, but that, I mean that why. doesn't mean
2: I don't think you should hold back though because of that like
0: I Mean, I guess it depends too on how much one wants to know their dreams
2: Because I heard I forgot how many dreams you have per night. I heard it's a shitload so like is it would it be like the whole like every dream you had that night
0: Yeah, the way
2: I read that is, yeah, you would watch from beginning
0: to end. Yeah, I don't
2: know how many dreams I heard you have, but I heard you have thousands on thousands or something.
0: Yeah, because it's also like little clips of
2: dreams. Oh, yeah. So I think I would definitely want to watch that just to be like, what the freak? I mean, if it was crazy, I'd still be like, wow, it's crazy.
0: What if, you know how a lot of times dreams reveal like something deep-seated that you're anxious about? I don't know if that's true.
2: Like, those dream books that say, if you dreamt about this, like, you think that if everybody dreamt about that, that's exactly what everybody in the world, I don't know about that. You think that's true?
0: Symbolically,
2: no. Like, there's an iron, that means this. I'm like, for everybody in the world, for all the 7.5 billion people, if they of an iron, then that means the same.
0: No. No, but I do think that sometimes, like, for instance, there are certain people in my life that I don't think about when I'm awake. Yeah. And then one night I'll have a random dream and they'll be there and it'll trigger you know, one of the reasons why I probably don't think about them is because I had a negative experience tied to them. Yeah. So like the dream will then make me think of the negative experience and then I realize maybe I have negative, uh residual feelings towards them. You know what I mean? So like yeah. that like so I'm imagining if I'm sitting here watching my dream and say, um, you know, uh, the woman that I feel fucked me over most of my life shows up. then that I'm going to means... be thinking about her when I'm watching it Yeah. and then maybe I wouldn't want to relive that. Do
2: you think that's how it goes though? Like you think like the deeper thoughts in your head that's like where the dreams come from? Because I mean that makes sense but I'm like I don't know. Cause I remember I've drunk stuff that just makes no sense whatsoever sometimes too so I'm like I
0: don't know. I guess it comes down to like how much are you interested you know some people are like oh that was weird that's fun some people are like oh let me unpack every single image that I had and try to figure out what's going on in my subconscious yeah that's true too you know so yeah mine's very interesting and you're gonna you're gonna find what you're looking for in the sense of if you imagine that there's a deep-seated issue say with like a parent Uh you're gonna find it because you're gonna like search for it yeah and then like pull
2: it out Mm-hmm. that's true that's true but I'm still voting yes i watching my dream. alright so let's <laughs> see I'm gonna give it definitive I'm still I'm, I still vote yes I would love to like cause it's the one opportunity you have man
0: so final before you commit totally to that yes yes would you would you be okay sitting there with your family watching you have a sex dream so like in the dream you're having sex and your family's just like watching this happen
2: yeah. It'd be weird, but I'll be like, Sex? How do you think I showed up? And what, that that'll that be my mean, argument to my parents. What if you're I'm fucking, here. <laughs> what if you're fucking like a like a fucking cheap or something? <laughs> <laughs> then I might visit a psychiatrist after uh after I watch this video, but I I still I wanna know just man. 'cause like it's not nobody's ever gonna like nobody's ever gonna know, like Unless you watch that one night where you have the opportunity, you're never going to freaking know everything you dream about. That should be interesting. Just to experience something that you'll never be able to experience again. Yeah, Just for that sake. I mean, yeah. there may be some fucked up shit I'm dreaming about, but I still want to see what the I'm dreaming
0: about. Yeah, I think as a, cre- you know, anyone who has any creative impulse yeah. can't turn that opportunity Exactly. Down. So I said yes. We yeah. must watch it with our families. Yeah, see, there you go. High five for that. High yeah. five. I've talked you into it. Nobody even heard it. Let's do it louder. High five. Oh, high yeah.
2: five. There you go. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It, it happened, guys. It happened. It was there. There was real <laughs>
1: yeah. physical like, human sh- contact. Sh- 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 <laughs> <laughs> there you oh, go. There it is. It was, but, like,
0: but, it was but, like an exploding little firecracker. <laughs> yeah. It sounded yeah. Pete. So, Bobby V. Yes. What, what is your parting wisdom to the world?
2: Like partying wisdom?
0: Yes. Chase your dreams. Even if
2: they might not come true. Life's too short. Don't settle with anything. I see so many damn people just like at mm-hmm. any job. It's complaining about this, complaining about that. I'm like, is that really living life? Like complaining about everything? Working a job you don't want to work at? No. Like if you have a dream, pursue that shit. I said, I don't know if comedy is going to work out for me, but I'm going to try. And if if it doesn't work, at least I can say I try. No regrets. No regrets. No regrets. You can't. No, there's no point. Yeah, I mean, when you're lying there on your deathbed, you don't want to remember everything that you didn't do. Hmm. You want to remember everything you did do, so. Yeah,
0: and even the pain is worth it. Because, you know, you knew it for a reason.
2: Exactly. Exactly, those, those lonesome nights, those friggin' tears, everything, the blood, sweat, tears. That, as long as you're doing pursuing what you want to do, you're living life. Just live life. Hashtag. Hashtag.
0: Hashtag live life. Hashtag live life. Yeah. yeah, you gotta, the next tweet you send, no matter what the content of the tweet is, you have to hashtag Hashtag live life? Live life? Yeah. yeah. Alright, I will. Alright. I will. You nice. got it. So, if, if anyone was ever interested in following you on Twitter... Or on Facebook, you know. I
2: need to start using Twitter. I have a Twitter. I, I haven't tied my Twitter. I never use Twitter. It's sad. Um, actually, I would, Hold on. Let, let me get my phone out. I don't even know. All of
0: these <laughs> Here's the man who's who's marketing himself. Uh, he I said, let, let me know. <laughs> I, have,
2: I have a business card. Let me look at my business card. It's got all that stuff on it. I like that you're going to the paper to find out the
0: digital information
2: for real. <laughs> um, Facebook is just Bobby Vanette's. Uh, V-E-N-E-T-Z, it's very it's kind of simple, uh, Instagram, Bobby V, um, B-O-B-B-B-Y-V, because I guess the other Bobby V was taken, <laughs> um, Twitter, Bob the Comic, um, Yeah, I use Snapchat, I don't know what that, that's not on here,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you'll find it, just add me day. on everything else, and then, oh, yeah. and then
2: I can direct you to my Snapchat, but... I, I try. I just need to use Twitter more. I don't use Twitter. I have Twitter's the best way to, for to get your stuff out there too, kind of.
0: Then it forces you to be concise, yeah. so you get most maximum impact.
2: That's true. So I, I need to start using Twitter. I have Twitter at me, but I don't use it.
0: All right. Well, thank you, sir. I,
2: You're welcome. I love
0: that we sat down and it's had this conversation. It's been a pleasure, man. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, and um, you know, it's good to. It's like you know, for as long as we've known each other, we've never really had this type of conversation, That's and I'm glad that
2: we did. i I love deep conversations
0: me too about vcrs and shit dude it's it's all about the
2: VCRs coming back bringing it back i'm gonna
0: go get one tomorrow morning yeah only if
2: it plays your dreams though man only if it plays your dreams dude screenplay waiting to happen that's oh yeah huh there's a movie in
0: there somewhere oh yeah definitely sounds more like a
2: 90s movie but we can make it we can make it
0: yeah, it's a time travel movie that starts with a Blu ray player and goes back in time to the 90s, and then we play it out in the 90s. That's true. Bam, done.
2: Uh, but that's kind of like that John Ritter movie from the 90s where he went in all those TV shows. Remember that? Where they got the satellite installed. <sighs> Bro, why you always Stay got to right? bring, uh, <laughs> bring up John Ritter? That's what it was called. Every the first time they ever brought up John
0: Ritter. and am talking about always bringing up John Ritter. Bro, you're obsessed with John Ritter. You <laughs> have like, a tattoo of him <laughs> on your back. It's insane. That's it's insane. true i didn't think you saw that all right well on that note of john
2: ritter (laughs) hashtag john ritter forever hashtag john ritter live life (laughs) yes
0: Welcome back! What'd you think? Now it's the part of the podcast where I address some important questions about the episode. So up first, what did I learn from Bobby? Well, I think, you know, the biggest thing that I learned from Bobby is to take a step back and really enjoy life. I have a tendency to give in to my own anxieties and get in my own way, and that's especially true when I'm working on creative projects, such as writing, uh, you know, film, whatever I'm doing at the time. And when I do that, I miss the beauty of life. You know, I miss the fun of creating. And here, then I meet Bobby V, and he's always got a smile on his face. He's an artist that loves the grind. Here's a man that genuinely appreciates the opportunity to put in that grind and develop his art. He, you know, he he's on the stage as often as possible at whatever venue is available. You know, he, he just loves the art of performing. And how fucking beautiful is that in a world where everybody wants immediate gratification for things they don't work for? And what do I find most inspiring about Bobby B? Well, in addition to learning to be thankful for the grind when creating art, I find Bobby's persistence incredibly inspiring. So since the recording of our conversation, he's had some health issues. Don't worry, he's doing well, he's doing better now. But the process of him going through that health scare really showed me elements of his character that I knew were there and were present in this podcast conversation, but I was still very, very much inspired. So instead of letting his health scare get in the way, Bobby persisted right through. The hospital and the anxiety over not being able to hit the gym didn't stop him. Oh yeah yeah I forgot to say Bobby V is jacked baby gap t-shirts I don't know kind of looks like it because the man is so jacked he's ripping everything he's putting on but anyway fitness is really important to him and most of all he didn't let his health issues get in the way of developing his comedy I got the chance to see him the day he returned to the stage this was a few weeks ago at the Sycamore Tavern in LA and I got goosebumps he did one Only one joke about his health scare, and in that singular moment, I felt my friend and the artist grow. But the best way to create, in my opinion, is translating pain into messages that draw you closer to your audience. And it even helps to make fun of yourself. Uh, Case in point here, consider Richard Pryor's stand-up after he set himself on fire with a crack pipe, I believe it was. Nothing beats the intimacy of having a negative experience and then switching it up so that you find the humor in that experience. In stand-up comedy, it's almost integral that you do that. Intimacy and truth are so important when you want to connect in a room, let alone when you want to kill in a room. That night when Bobby hit the stage, it was beautiful because you could see that he took the next step in his career, but also in his life. And I felt truly privileged that I was there to see it. There's nothing but the best on the horizon for our good friend Bobby V. What did you learn? Let me know by leaving a comment on popographyshow.com or on iTunes when you subscribe to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Popography, the pop culture biography podcast. Thank you for listening. I sincerely appreciate it. This is Chris asking, what are you passionate about? Catch you next time.
1: The United States exists in a post-cyberwar wasteland. Human beings and cyborgs huddle around what used to be Wi-Fi hotspots scattered through the country like mirages in a digital desert. They hope that one day the wireless gods will return and reanimate them. Citizens' identities were lost after terrorist organizations and rival governments hacked the nation's cybersecurity systems, wiping social security numbers clean and depleting every account in North American banks. There is one active wireless network left in the country, but it is only available to the wealthiest 1% of earners.